Hello there, this is Jason Dees, and this is the Think Through It podcast. Think Through It exists to help people think through the big questions of life and culture. On the Think Through It podcast, we'll be talking with friends, cultural influencers, and forward thinkers about the things that all of us need to be thinking about. Today, we'll be talking with internationally known author and theologian, Bruce Ware. Dr. Ware has written extensively on the person and character of God, but today we're gonna be talking about Christian worship and specifically how a Christian should talk about politics during Christian worship. I grew up in a church that was very patriotic, and as a pastor, I've been asked many times to endorse candidates from the pulpit. But is that appropriate? Should Christian worship avoid the public square, or should we engage? And maybe how should we engage? This is an important thing to think about, so thanks for joining Bruce Ware and me today as we think through it. So I took systematic two and three, I think, with you. And I know you came to the Duck and the Goose uh, yeah, for yeah. dinner. Yeah. Have you gone back uh, yes. since? Yes, they've had uh, Jody and me there a couple times. Yeah. That's great. I know none as great as those early days, though. Oh, my. That was a special group. And yes. all those guys are doing really great things now. Yeah. Which is what's fun. I mean, it's mm. fun to know, uh, you know, we've got people serving overseas, one in Colombia, one in Indonesia. Mm. Uh, we've got, you know, been doctors in Chicago. We've got people serving different pastorates, mm. um, you know, all over. Um uh, Zach's still at his camp. And so all kinds of different ministry, but uh, all faithfully serving the Lord. Yeah, and, that's uh, wonderful. It's really, it's and really. You, you keep in touch with each other? Oh, we keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, we had the first annual, in fact, we need to get you to come speak at it. We had the first annual Duck and the Goose Summit this year. Oh. Uh, and a lot of those guys came. They came here. Hmm. We, we spent a lot of the time actually in this room. Uh, we each took topics and discussed it. And mm. then Kevin Ezell actually kind of was our final plenary speaker. Um, but we've, Blake and I have actually already been talking about it. We want to do it the next two years um, at least. Mm. And uh, we've got, so I think Crawford Loritz and Bryant Wright are going to uh, be our guest speakers this year. And then Dr. Moeller is actually going to be uh, speaking in 2020. So we'll see My where this goodness. little Duck in the Goose Summit goes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but uh, I'm excited about um, what it could become. But it's a fun way to keep up. And it was yeah. very helpful, too. It actually, it was more than just guys hanging out, reminiscing about the glory days. We uh, we actually got a lot of help out of it. Mm, so. Good, good. Do you invite the current Duck in the Goose guys? Yeah, we, well, we need to do a better job. Mm. This coming year, I want to invite any Duck and the Goose mm -hmm. guy. Um, last year, it was mostly just the guys that were kind of in the the OG, you know, the yeah. uh, original <clears throat> gangsta uh, 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 Duck and the Goose guys. Right, so, right. But, um, mm -hmm. well, I'm excited about our conversation today. Uh, this is something that I know that you and I have both thought a great deal uh, about. What is kind of the role of politics in the church, uh, what is what does it mean to be faithful as a pastor, as a group of elders? How do we as Christians think uh, about political life, the role of politics? And so give us a little help on our the current moment, right? So I think as evangelicals, 
we are divided. Um, it seems that the evangelicals as a whole are divided right now, just about our current kind of political moment. Um, so can you help us understand how did we get here? Yeah. You know, it's a, as much of a surprise to me as it is to you in asking that question. I mean, there has been, uh, in my experience, my lifetime, much more commonality among evangelicals in their political stance. I think because the moral issues have been have been more clearly defined, uh, and uh, so it pulls people together because they're pro-life. Right. And uh, I mean, that's prob- probably the main one that has been the the glue that's pulled people together. And that's kind of seemed to be, that has seemed an unquestionable glue, but the last election, at least, there was the one-issue voter kind of talk. Don't be a one-issue voter, uh, which I hadn't really heard a lot of in evangelical life until 2016. I don't know your perspective on that. Well, I think it actually started with with Barack Obama, because I remember talking to a number of of colleagues in other institutions, uh, maybe I won't name them right now, but uh, other than Southern, but they're evangelical, strong evangelical institutions. And for the sake of electing the first black president, they were willing to overlook abortion. Yeah. And it just startled me, to be honest, you know, that uh, that would that would rise above uh, the commitment you would have to a pro-life view, because obviously uh, Barack Obama is not pro-life, and he's and his party is not, and so to vote for him, which, which is a very different thing than in this past election, where many evangelicals voted for some write-in candidate. Right, that's a whole different thing. But uh, but to vote for Barack Obama is to bro- is to vote for a platform that includes a, a pro-abortion stance. And, but but the but uh, I totally understand the the desire yeah, to elect sure. the first black president. I do too. Yeah, I do too. But it's just a matter of which one which one weighs heavier, you know. And in my mind, the the pro life protection of stance life, yeah, just weighed in heavier. I, I was uh, not not unhappy at all. In fact, I was very pleased actually when the election took place and Barack Obama uh, won the election. Because he was a black president, I was very happy about that. But many of the positions that he held, I was not happy about. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's an interesting thing, to, I think, to think through as a Christian. Um, you know, I, I, one of the, we do an event here called The Spotted Cow. And um, it's a, basically, you would love it. In fact, I, I wish you could come down for it sometime. It's a group of men that get together. We smoke meat we build a huge fire and we sit around and talk about theology and culture. Sounds good. Oh, it's, it's great. And, and uh, it's, it's a popular event. In fact, it's gotten so popular now that we have, we have to build multiple fires and have multiple conversations. But uh, one of the early ones mm-hmm. that I remember that I thought was really helpful was called, what does it mean to belong? And so if we ultimately belong to Christ yes, and we ultimately belong to, um, to his church, then what does that do to everything else we belong to mm. and how do we understand our other belongings, right? Right. right. Our other, uh, alliances, our other, um, because we do have some, we're, we're chiefly aligned with Christ. We're chiefly, we chiefly belong to Christ, but mm-hmm. we also belong to the United States as a citizen and mm-hmm. we belong to a family and we belong to, 
Um, and so how do we think through those belongings? How do we coalesce? Mm. Um, as Christians. So yeah. maybe you could give us some guidance. You weren't there that night at the Spotted Cow, but what would guidance, what guidance would you give to Christians when thinking about what to belong to, or maybe better, how to belong to something uh, outside of your primary right, uh, family, right. your primary citizenship? Well, that primary citizenship, that pri- prim- primary allegiance, uh, because it is primary, it has to be pervasive. So you, you, what you cannot do is marginalize your commitment to Christ and say, for the sake of, I don't know, f- fellowship with these people or to get along better or not to, not to cause problems, I, I'm going to compromise my, my positions that I hold as a, as a believer. I mean, that just, that, that really is a, uh, a denial you know, right. of, of your faith at that point, you know, at that point of the compromise. And uh, so I think what it means is that in many relationships that we may be in, I mean, maybe you're in a, in uh, your employment is in a business that is very progressive and the, the whole mindset, the whole worldview of the leadership is, is left politically. Well, I mean, what you have to decide is will you take it on the chin as a Christian uh, to uphold things that you know are essential that, that maybe but, fly in the face of the sexual yeah, revolution or right um you know or just a secular mindset I guess. yeah right now you know you can be quiet sometimes but you can't do that all the time so at some point people are going to know where you stand on certain things and i think you just have to be pre- pre- you have to prepare yourself uh for some of the backlash that could could come from that yeah primary means pervasive yeah. i like uh, that's that's helpful yeah and uh, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, at some point, if you're going to belong to one thing, it means you can't belong to something else. Right. Um, and there is a clear line there. So let's let's kind of go back a little bit. What what role does does politics pay, play in the life of the local church? Um, you know, let's start. Let's let's step back for maybe a worship service, but just church life together. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think we would probably both agree these are things that Christians should be talking about yeah. um, and thinking through together. I mean, and, and maybe how do we do that and, and what, you know, what role should politics play in life, our Christian life together? Right. Well, it's very difficult to, um, to, to live in this time right now and not be involved politically in some way or another. I mean, if you listen to the news, if you're aware of what's going on, there's just so many things that are important, and uh, and it's important for Christian people to talk about them together. So I, I do I do distinguish in my own mind Christian people talking together from what you would do in a worship service. So let's talk about a worship service. Yeah. Then, you know, what what role does political life play in a, a, a time of worship? I think really the the uh, politics per se uh, does not play a role. The issues of politics if they impinge upon biblical teaching, standards of, of uh, justice and righteousness, those issues do play a role. So uh, I, w- I wouldn't bring party, political party, or political candidates uh, into a worship service, but I would bring issues. Uh, racism, I mean, should be something that we talk about as, yes, as Christians, 
together informally, but also from the pulpit. Right. You know, because that, that, that gets uh, at something that is fundamental in, our, in biblical teaching. And in the in a Christian worldview, and you know it's interesting. I know you and I have have read, um, uh, you know, a lot of nineteenth century American preaching or right century American sermons. It is fascinating. I think. Uh, I mean, and I'm sure there's probably been papers written on this, but just to juxtapo- juxtapose nineteenth uh, century American sermons and how they were avoiding the issue of racism mm. versus twenty uh, first century American sermons. And how is, there's just this great silence hmm. on sexual immorality. Uh-huh. Uh, and so in one century where obviously, especially Southern preachers and even preachers that we love, like John mm-hmm. Broadus is hmm. incredibly quiet yes, yes. on racism. Um, and we both respect him and admire uh, other points of his theology deeply. Hmm. Uh, but if you read through his sermons, uh, he's going to be very quiet there. Whereas... Um, you know, uh, preachers today that, you know, I think we would love and respect are being very quiet on the issue of sexual ethics. Hmm. Um, it's a fascinating juxtaposition yeah, that you see. And so I think right. what you're saying is neither are good. You you can't be quiet about clear uh, biblical right, orthodoxy. Right. And obviously that speaks into political issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. And of course, uh, some of these are are so clear cut biblically that you can pronounce, thus saith the Lord. You know, that, a racism that would be demeaning uh, and, and have vitriol toward another person because of race uh, is, is despicable in God's sight. And I think we just have to call it what it is, you know, and help, help our people realize we, ju- we can't abide any sense of superiority because of race, just like gender. I mean, men who have been raised in a culture uh, where they think of themselves as better than women, having a superiority over them, boy, they need to be disabused of that, you know? So what are issues that we can divide? I mean, as you look at, there's not all political issues are so clear-cut theologically. Right. Uh, And so give me some examples of some issues that in a good, healthy church, a good, God-fearing, Bible-centered, gospel-centered church, uh, are you going to see some disagreement on? You know, I think some of those are actually contained within. In other words, it's a it's a um, a layer of some of those issues that are clear-cut. So take take uh, race again for just a moment. So there's a general sense in which we would we would I hope all agree that any kind of racial superiority is sinful. But then how you go about dealing with racism, is it reparations? You know, is it, uh, I mean, where's the role for forgiveness in this, which I think is hardly ever spoken of these days. You know, there's a lot of speaking about justice and and demands for repentance and, and acknowledging wrongdoing and the like. But boy, where is forgiveness, which is a hallmark of Christian virtue? So I think this is where we can have sure. some real tension, you know, and, and uh, difference of opinion as Christian people and where we ought to be talking about it so we can, you know, come back to the Bible and try to hold the, the best position we can biblically. Well, and like concern for the poor uh, is another one. Obviously, to your point yes. about disagreeing about things within, yes, 
as a Christian, it's it's kind of hard to be a Christian or to read the Bible, uh, at least to read the Gospels, and not have a concern for the poor. Uh, and I would say maybe when I say kind of hard, impossible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how uh, a person shows concern or empathy for the poor, maybe we could disagree on that. Is that big government? Yeah. Is that charity? Is that, uh, you know, is there, there's a lot of different ways. And I don't think you can really draw, say, this is wrong or this is right, mm -hmm. you know, one way or the other. So those are areas where I think Christians do disagree within mm -hmm. a, the same local church right, right. Uh, politically about different things. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this is something that's interesting, too, and I, I know I've heard you talk about this. Um, I grew up in a church, and I am grateful and love the church I grew up in. So I, I, wanna be, I don't mean to be critical here, but it was... I think easy for that church to blur the line between gratitude to God for the grace that he has shown America. Mm -hmm. Obviously we live in an amazingly blessed country, yeah. a country where we are so celebrate our freedoms, a country that has stood for a lot of good things around the globe. So we're grateful to God for that. So, it was, but it was easy for that church, I think to blur the line between gratitude to God for America and the celebration of America, mm -hmm. uh, even within kind of a worship context. So give us some guidelines there. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> well, here, here's a, um, a litmus test in my mind, is if you have a Nigerian or a Korean or a Chinese believer visiting your church, are they going to feel completely welcomed? Yeah. As That's good. one with everyone else in this room, as uh, believers who share in common faith in Christ, uh, ho hope of eternal life, or are they going to feel like they're somehow a different category of Christian because they're not Americans? So I think even even having the American flag up on the platform, as so many churches do, just sends the wrong signal. It it, it sends that we. We really identify ourselves in a very important way as American Christians, not just Christians. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I think that's a big mistake. I, I've often thought how wonderful it would be on a 4th of July Sunday to have a ceremonial removal of the American flag from the platform, followed by a ceremonial parade of the flags of the nations yeah, that's good. across the front of the church and maybe put the American flag over to the right, you know, third from the end or something, uh, <laughs> just, you know, just, just to kind of stress the point. But because this is what the church is, we are, we are bound together in Christ, people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's our identity. Yeah, we, would this worship service fly in the new heavens, new earth, Yeah, good, I think is good. a good question to ask. Yeah. Right. And that too, you know, so again, like you say, if you're condemning racism, uh, I believe John Broadus, we'll just use him as an example, is going to be in the new heavens, new earth. I uh -huh. obviously believe he's a boarding leader, but it may be convicting to him. But, uh, but, but there's a lot of things that we would talk about in our churches that should be, con that there'll be mm -hmm. things that other generations of churches talk about that are convicting to us because we've never faced persecution or hardship in the American West. Um, and so anyway, I think yeah. there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's conviction that's good, but would they feel comfortable mm -hmm. to your point as a citizen of, of, of God's kingdom, of Christ's kingdom? Uh, and so, yeah, that, yeah. that's very helpful. Right. 
what should we, last question, what should Christians be thinking about? Uh, you know, it's 2019, uh, but obviously it seems like every week somebody's announcing mm. their candidacy for president, um, uh, at least on the Democratic side. So what should Christians be thinking about kind of going into the 2020 um, national election cycle? Well, it's a combination of thinking both in principled ways of uh, uh, voting for a candidate or candidates in, in various elections um, that come closest to supporting what you believe has to be upheld biblically. Uh, so so a, a pro-life stance, in my judgment, uh, is a non-negotiable. Uh, but you also look at the pragmatics of it uh, because you, you realize principle has to be put into practice. And so who's going to be an effective leader who will be able to take it, take the, the ball down the field most effectively, you know? And so I think you think in both the, the principled and the pragmatic ways. Uh, but, I, you know, I, th I think on the pragmatic side, that's where you can have a lot of difference of opinion among Christian people. Right, yeah, because who? it's hard to know w which one of yes. these candidates is actually going to be more effective or, you know, yeah. what the long-term effects of electing this guy or this gal versus this guy or this gal is going to be. Um, obviously, those are hard things to know. Right. But there's wisdom involved right, in that. Right. And, uh, and there's some something of a track record for most of these candidates that you can see. But um, it is hard. I, you know, the, this last election was so divisive and interesting. I, I was over in England uh, about a year ago and uh, was talking with a number of uh, wonderful Christian people there. And the, the Brexit election over there was just as divisive oh, sure. as yeah. our election here was. And uh, I think for, kind of for similar reasons. But uh, I just hope we never have an election again where we go into it with, with a, a sense of... Um, the other side, whatever that is, but other Christians denouncing what some other Christians believe before God with a clear conscience they need to do, and and the reverse. It did seem to be an election where politics divided the church rather than the church dividing politics. I uh -huh. mean, you know, I think that's what I would want to see, where the church is so united because we love Christ, we're in Christ— that the political world doesn't know what to do with us and is frustrated with us. I would almost right. rather that be our posture. Mm -hmm. This seemed to be a case where uh, friendships, churches were really divided. Mm. And I, I totally agree in an unhealthy way. I do think it's hard just with this era of over-dramatization uh, where I feel like from here on out, every election we go into, I mean, think about the 2018 midterms. This is the yeah. most consequential election yes. of your life. It, it's hard. Right. Are we ever going to have, well, actually the last election was more <laughs> consequential, but this is important. Yeah, you know, right, right, is right. that ever going to be set again? Um, right. you know, it just seems like it's just this momentum of, of, or this over dramatization. I, I have to think though, there is a tipping point, right? Where crazy, uh, won't be cool uh, anymore, mm, mm. but I don't know when that's going to come. Right. Um, well, I think it may it may take um, finding out the hard way on some of these things that they don't work. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hope not, but it it uh, possibly could could happen that way and pull us back. Then, I mean, that happens in our own lives. You know, we. Yeah, it is you know, interesting to me. I mean, to that point, 
how like socialism is becoming kind of a cool thing now. And, uh, you know, no one in your generation, uh, and maybe your parents' generation, especially that lived through world war two, uh, that lived through the cold war in a, in a deep kind of way. Mm -hmm. Uh, would think this. Oh, never. Right. But no. it's only, you know, and a lot of people younger than me even, I mean, yes. I'm, you know, relatively young, but I still, you know, I still was alive in the eighties. I still like remember being afraid of the Soviet union at uh-huh. night, you know, when I was saying my little prayers with uh-huh. my parents. Right. Um, and so it, it, I think, I think I'm about the, I'm about the youngest person mm. That has any sense of that, right? Um, and pretty much everybody younger than me has no sense of that, mm-hmm. which is where you see this kind of creeping back in. And right. it's only now, obviously, with people younger than me, where it is creeping in. So it's right. fascinating just how quickly we forget history, and how quickly people, as you say, we we almost have to keep re-experiencing the mm. same things, right? Um, right. To forget about them, absolutely. Well, Doctor Ware, it is such a privilege uh, to talk to you about these kinds of things. Um, I am so grateful uh, that um, that our citizenship is in an eternal kingdom Amen. that is not so complex, <laughs> uh, where people, if they really know Christ, are not so divided. Um, right. That one day in that kingdom, we won't be having these political wars. Um, as as somebody said it the other day, there'll be no religious liberty in the new heavens and new earth. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, there'll, there'll be total religious liberty. Mm-hmm. But total y- unity, yes. Um, uh, because right. we'll we'll have a king who is good and right um, that we can serve, uh, and who has our best interest in mind that we can serve forever. And so, uh, but until that day, we wage through these temporary kingdoms. And uh, thanks for the wisdom that you've shared um, uh, to help pleasure. us to carry on in a way that pleases our Lord. Thank you, Jason. Wonderful to be with you. Well, for Bruce Ware, I'm Jason Dees, encouraging you to think through it.